Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Bean Dad. The Dress, 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Falling in love is the best feeling in the world. You see stars, you feel giddy, but sometimes that makes you do crazy things. And sometimes that means murder. Just because a story starts out with Once Upon a Time doesn't mean it ends happily ever after. Welcome to Crazy in Love, a production of KT Studios and iHeartRadio. Today's guests are true crime producer Jeff Shane and journalist and podcast host Connor Powell. Connor is a journalist and podcast host whose latest podcast is Lords of Soccer, How FIFA Stole the Beautiful Game and the Largest Corruption Scandal in the World. He's also host of KT Studios' upcoming podcast, Death Island. You can follow Connor on Twitter at Connor M. Powell. Episode 44, The Case of the Cheaters, The Family Affair, and The Fallen Star. At six foot seven, Gavin Smith was a strikingly handsome man. With blonde hair and a killer smile, when he walked into a room, all eyes were on him. Women wanted to be with him, and men wanted to be him. But despite the attention, Gavin remained humble. 
He was a generous and kind man who would give you the shirt off his back. In January 1989, at 23 years old, he was working as a waiter at an upscale restaurant in Los Angeles. That's when he met Lisa. Lisa, like Gavin, had blonde hair and tan skin. They looked like Ken and Barbie. Gavin was immediately attracted to Lisa and flirted with her as he served dinner. By the time the check came, he got her number and her heart. The couple had a fast romance getting engaged just five months later and were married in November the same year. Lisa owned her own accounting firm and was the breadwinner for the couple. While John served as golf caddy and acted in bit parts in movies, Lisa worked full-time and gave birth to three sons. By the time baby number three came, Gavin was 39, and Lisa demanded that her husband get a real 9-to-5 job so that he could help support their growing family. Gavin obliged, and working a connection from the ritzy golf course he caddied at, got an entry-level position at 20th Century Fox making $40,000 a year. But his affability helped him rise in the ranks quickly, and he soon was a high-powered, well-respected film distributor. Lisa was able to sell her business and become a stay-at-home mom. Despite all the new responsibilities, Gavin still made time for his family. His boys, who were every bit as handsome and athletic as their dad, were the center of his universe. Living in a beautiful mansion in a Los Angeles suburb, Gavin Smith almost had it all. Here's Jeff. His job at Fox wasn't the first time Gavin had success. In college, he played basketball under the iconic coach John Wooden, and he was on the 1975 championship team. And, you know, for anyone who knows basketball, like this was a big deal, and it's no surprise that Gavin dreamt of playing in the NBA. But when he wasn't drafted after college, he was crushed. And he ended up running off to the mountains for five or six days to cool off. And during this time, no one knew where he was. But when he got back, he was fine back to his old self. So he really just needed that time to kind of decompress. And back in present day, it seemed that Gavin and Lisa really weren't doing as well as outside appearances may have led you to believe. Despite earning $180,000 a year, the couple had bought their home at the height of the housing market and the 2008 financial crash really hurt them. They were living beyond their means. The market value of their home plunged to less than the balance owed on the mortgage, which meant they were completely underwater financially. So it's not a surprise that Gavin and Lisa were in the midst of trying to sell their house. Yeah, Connor. And to make matters worse, Gavin also wanted to retire from his cushy job at Fox and pursue acting again. His wife, Lisa, though, was concerned that they literally couldn't afford to do that. And not surprisingly, the financial issues were causing a rift in the once idyllic relationship. Gavin and Lisa were in a bit of a dark place in their marriage and constantly getting into fights. And Gavin had even talked about being depressed. So Connor, in your podcast, Lords of Soccer, you explore kind of the underbelly of soccer and how crime and corruption kind of has fallen into this world. And in thinking about Gavin and his meteoric rise in college basketball and not being able to be drafted, what can you tell us about athletes' frame of mind and their psyche after you know being kind of celebrities in the college world and then falling into nothing after not getting drafted and going back to the start? Yeah, I mean, it's not, I guess, a surprise that Gavin 
you know, sort of entered a dark period of his life after not getting drafted. He played at UCLA, which, I mean, in the 1970s, that was the epitome of sports, not only college sports, but just really sports in America, playing for John Wooden. And not to get drafted, I mean, that would have been the end of his entire career. He had probably been playing basketball since he was a kid, practicing year-round, being recruited by the top schools in the country, playing on a championship team, and then literally in the blink of an eye, you know, snap of a finger, it's over. There's no place to play if you don't get drafted out of college. So uh, I'm not surprised he went dark and probably tried to have to, you know, reevaluate his life. And, you know, he sounds like he stumbled into acting as something that he wanted to pursue, probably to try to grab on to that sort of rush of celebrity and fame and being held up on a pedestal. To make matters worse, Gavin had been dealing with a long-standing back injury from his basketball days. Plagued with chronic discomfort, he was prescribed painkillers, which he soon got addicted to. While Gavin still managed to get to work every day, his addiction became out of control and Lisa begged him to go to rehab. Wanting to save his marriage, Gavin obliged and headed to treatment in 2007. Like most things in his life, Gavin succeeded and was able to kick the habit. Here's Connor. However, when he was in rehab, he picked up a new addiction, a 33-year-old woman named Chandrika Creech. 57-year-old Gavin had become a group leader at the rehab facility, and Chandrika enrolled there for her alcohol problem. Always wanting to help others, Gavin took a liking to the sultry brunette, and by 2008, their rehab relationship was getting hot and heavy. When Gavin got out of rehab, he continued seeing Chandrika behind Lisa's back. However, in July of 2009, Lisa became aware of the relationship and confronted her husband, Gavin. The couple decided to go to counseling, and Lisa truly believed the affair was over. However, despite all of that, things really just weren't working in the marriage, and Gavin moved out of the family home. While Lisa was holding firm with Gavin, she was telling friends behind his back that she felt like they would ultimately get through their issues, and for her... This move out was more of a scare tactic to put Gavin back on the right track. Despite all that, the eldest son in the family was distraught, tweeting publicly, quote, thoughts and prayers out to my amazing mom and bros, please. My dad decided to leave the family last night. Real family sticks together, end quote. And there was another problem, a big problem. Chandrika was also married to a man named John Creech. Now, John was a former drug dealer turned steroid-taking bodybuilder. He's not really the type of guy you want to mess with. John found out about the affair after seeing his wife's cell phone bill and was less forgiving. John got physical, roughing up Chandrika, shoving her, and pushing her. It was bad enough that she had to end things with Gavin. And aside from being a wife beater, John was also not faithful to his wife. At the time Chandrika was with Gavin, 42-year-old John was dating an 18-year-old high school senior. He was basically obsessed with this girl and would send her lovesick texts like, I don't want to come up as that guy to other people, you know, the older perv or something. Even though my slash our intentions are genuine, a lot of people won't see it that way. I like you because of you, not your age. I'm not giving up. I mean, to me, Connor, this sounds like grooming at its finest. What do you make of kind of this weird, sick love square because it's involving four people instead of three i mean john sounds like exactly the type of person you don't want to mess with right i mean he's 
been a drug dealer. He's on steroids. He's grooming a young uh, girl for a relationship that she probably isn't ready for and he shouldn't be in, um, not only because of his age, but also more importantly because he's married. So this is just not the type of situation that if you are Gavin that you want to get tangled up with. But it doesn't appear that he was willing to give up Chandrika, even despite all the baggage that she brought to the relationship. Right. I mean, I guess it's like they met in rehab, which maybe is a time when they were feeling especially vulnerable. And so they kind of latched on to each other as kind of trauma survivors of we gave up this addiction and now we found each other. And that kind of seems like their new vice. Yeah, it was definitely a vice. And, you know, I think anyone listening knows this isn't going to end well for anyone. And do you know anything, Connor, about steroids? I mean, having worked on a true crime podcast called Lords of Soccer about people in the sports world, I imagine you know, steroids come up and I've heard that it changes your personality. Can you tell us anything about what taking steroids might do to someone's psyche or uh, the way they handle rage? Yeah, steroids, um, you know, impact your body physically, presumably in a better way to make you stronger, fitter, faster, but they also mess with your chemical uh, in your mind as well. And people who take steroids are prone to anger, prone to fits of instability, and if you add that on to somebody who already has a criminal background, you know, you're talking about a personality that is really not a stable personality and probably tends towards violence. On May 2nd, 2012, Gavin was supposed to pick up his son and drive him to school, but he never showed up. Despite all the drama Gavin and Lisa had been through, he was always a present father. Bailing was just not like him. The boy had to get to school, so he called a friend and got a ride. By the end of the school day, Gavin was still not answering, so his son told Lisa. Lisa called Gavin's office, who told her he hadn't been at work. Now officially concerned, Lisa filed a missing persons report. To understand what was happening with Gavin's disappearance, we should go back a couple of years. In December of 2010, Lisa and Gavin were trying to deal with his infidelity. Lisa had thought he had broken things off with his mistress, Shandrika, but Gavin broke the news to her that that was not, in fact, the case. He had recently rekindled things with the young woman. But it got worse. Shandrika's husband, John, also knew about the affair, and to say he was unhappy is probably a mild statement. Gavin showed Lisa some of the emails he had received from John. One of them read, I'm going to get you, Gavin. Your wife is getting a copy of all these emails. You're fucked, you old prick. Gavin was pissed. Gavin told Lisa that John was a dangerous drug dealer who had threatened him. Gavin agreed to change his phone number and his email addresses. So let's just get this straight because there's a lot of different names and a lot of different players. Gavin and Lisa are married for a long time and have children together. Gavin goes to rehab and meets Chandrika and they start having an affair. It turns out Chandrika is married to a man named John who is this kind of would-be criminal and Gavin tells his wife, Lisa, about the affair. She attempts to forgive him. John finds out about his wife, Chandrika's affair, and is pissed and starts texting Gavin, the other man, all these threatening things. And so at this time, Gavin then has to tell his wife, Lisa, about his affair and this threatening husband. I almost feel bad for Lisa. It's not only is she finding out about the affair, which is bad enough and crushing, she's also finding out that the husband of the woman who her own husband is having an affair with, seems to be a psychopath and is not stable and is threatening her husband, John. 
Yeah, Connor, and it seems that she was maybe not thinking straight because what she did next is a little debatable. Lisa told her three sons about their father's infidelity and the situation with John. So what happened next was Lisa, her 19-year-old son, and her 14-year-old son decided to confront the situation and talk to John face-to-face. They were thinking that perhaps if they showed him that they too were hurt by this whole thing, that John would come down and leave the family alone. Who could be angry with two teenage boys? I mean, this is the definition of not thinking clearly. Lisa tells her sons about the affair, which is understandable. But then she brings them to meet with John to try to stop him. This is the guy who's a drug-dealing, steroid-using and presumably very violent guy. This seems like a horrible choice in a series of bad decisions by several people. Lisa and her two teenage sons drove to John's house, and as Lisa waited in the car, the two boys knocked on his door. And according to these two teenagers, when they first introduced themselves to John, he was very angry. John told them he was furious with Gavin for sleeping with his wife, Chandrika. The two boys both cried, and the 14-year-old begged John not to hurt his dad. He allegedly told him, I'm in eighth grade. I'm too young to lose my dad. He went on to apologize for his dad's behavior at least a hundred times and pled for John not to hurt his family. John allegedly told the boys that he had been following Gavin and he knew where the kids went to school. But towards the end of the conversation, John began to calm down a little bit. And he told the boys that by coming over and having this conversation, they had saved their father's life. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in just a moment. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time, and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, 
the Apollo Jim murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back in 2012, Gavin was missing. His family was hopeful that his disappearance was similar to when he went off the grid after not making the NBA. But things felt different this time. Gavin was now a father of three and had a good job. He wouldn't abandon his responsibilities. Lisa informed the detectives about his affair with Chandrika. They soon went to speak with her. When detectives arrived at her house, Shandrika wouldn't let them inside, but would speak to them on the porch. She admitted to the affair, but told them she had no idea where Gavin was. Detectives had a feeling that Shandrika wasn't being completely upfront with them, so they had an undercover informant bait her into telling the full story. It turns out Shandrika really wasn't honest with the police during their first meeting. She told the informant a completely different story. According to her, on the last night, Gavin was seen alive on May 1st, 2012. They had decided to meet up around 11 p.m. in a remote area of town to fool around. She got into Gavin's black Mercedes and sat on his lap on the passenger side of the car. Now, according to her, what happened next was that suddenly John showed up and pulled the door open. He had tracked her using the map function on their phone's family plan. Now, according to Chandrika, she jumped off of Gavin and the two men began yelling at each other. Before she knew it, John was on top of Gavin in the car, punching him repeatedly in the face. Too many times to count, she said. As the beating continued, she could hear Gavin moaning, but he wasn't really moving. She allegedly yelled at John to stop and that he was going to kill Gavin, but he didn't. 
And so at this point, Chandrika is very scared and she ran towards John's car and drove off. As she sped off, John allegedly yelled towards the car, you're next. So Chandrika then went home and later John showed up. He was covered in blood. His knuckles were all scratched up. John apparently told Chandrika they needed to go back to get Gavin and drive him to the hospital. Terrified, Chandrika listened, but when they arrived back at the scene, Gavin was dead. The couple drove back to their house, and John started calling friends who he thought would help them clean up the murder. Chandrika told the informant that somehow blood had gotten on her clothes, so she burned them in the fireplace along with John's. And John ended up finding a friend who would let them park the car in his garage while Gavin's body was still inside it. So five days go by and John and Chandrika knew that they needed a better long-term plan for the car and Gavin's body. So they ended up recruiting Chandrika's grandmother's home care aide to rent a storage unit and a U-Haul truck for them. The aide, for some reason, decided to go along with this and got them the storage unit and the truck. And John took Gavin's body about an hour and a half outside of Los Angeles to bury it. He then towed the Mercedes with his truck to the storage unit and locked it up. So police had all this information from their undercover informant, but they needed the physical evidence before making any arrests. So they sat on the story, meaning that while they were investigating, Gavin's family was still hoping he might be found alive. They were out searching for him, hanging up missing posters, pleading with the public for information. Almost a year went by and the police ended up getting a tip from Chandrika's grandmother's aide, the one who had rented the storage facility and the U-Haul. She told the cops about the storage facility and the bloody car inside of it. Perhaps she felt guilty about helping cover something up, but she also ended up getting full immunity for the information, so that probably helped soften the blow. Connor, what do you make of the informant's information. I mean, how much in your experience can police trust what an informant tells them about a possible criminal? So as I learned doing the Lords of Soccer podcasts about FIFA's corruption, um, you know, informants played a huge role in bringing this massive criminal corruption case against the guys who run global soccer. And it literally started with a guy named Chuck Blazer who didn't pay his U.S. taxes. And when the prosecutors and the FBI went to Chuck Blazer and basically said, we know you're not paying taxes, we want you to flip on everybody in uh, FIFA and basically tell us how they're all doing things dodgy, he was the key to that case. And and, in most cases, some type of informant or somebody flipping, somebody who knows what's going on and gets a deal from a prosecutor, you know, that's really what ends up making a lot of these big cases. And and they're key because you got to have somebody who literally knows where the bodies are buried. And an informant like the grandmother's homemade, you know, that's probably more valuable to the police in this situation than anything else. I guess with informants, it's kind of like the ends justify the means. And so if they can give a criminal some leeway and he or she provides them information, then the police can get an even bigger criminal who's committed an even worse crime. In March 2013, police located the storage facility and when they opened it, they found Gavin's blood-soaked Mercedes. The car was a gruesome crime scene. Detectives found Gavin's skin stuck to the car's leather seat. They also identified bloodstains inside the Mercedes and on the rear bumper that matched Gavin's DNA. Despite the heartbreaking ending, Gavin's family could finally declare him dead. When Lisa found out, she was inconsolable, crying for 90 minutes straight. Even though their marriage had been crumbling, she still had love for him. Police still hadn't located Gavin's remains, which for them was the last piece of the puzzle they needed to charge John with murder. 
On October 26, 2014, two and a half years after disappearing, a hiker stumbled upon the skeletal remains of Gavin Smith. The medical examiner determined that the former movie executive had been badly beaten. The damage to his skull was equivalent to falling from a second-story building face-first. Finally, in January of 2015, John Creech was charged with first-degree murder. Cops had an easy time finding him because he was already incarcerated for dealing drugs. Despite the damning evidence against him, John pleaded not guilty. All of his cohorts, including Shandrika, had made deals with the district attorney. In exchange for their testimonies against John, they would receive full immunity. When Shandrika took the stand, she recounted the moment she watched her husband beat her lover Gavin to death. How many times did the defendant strike John Creech? Honestly, too many times to count. More than a dozen. She was asked why she didn't come forward with the information earlier. This was her answer. Why didn't you go and tell anybody about it? Because I thought I'd get in trouble for telling them later instead of immediately. So, Connor, I mean, do you buy the fact that she says she was afraid? What's your take on her testimony? I don't doubt that she was afraid. It seems like she may have been more of a willing participant than she said on the stand. You know, she did help cover up the murder. She did help hide it. She also appears to have basically worked with him over a long period of time to make sure, you know, the the body stayed covered up, you know, and hidden, and that the vehicle stayed hidden, and they cleaned up. She burned her own uh, clothes and burned John's clothes. So she was a much more active participant than she likes to say. But I don't doubt that she was also scared for her life. What is the the line between being scared for your life and helping cover something up willingly? Only she would know that. But it does seem like she was way more participant of this murder than you know than she wants to admit to herself. Right. I mean, even if we believe this story that she told the informant fully, she got in a vehicle and was by herself and willingly went home to wait for John. I mean, she could have gone straight to a police station. She could have called the police. But instead, she decided to just kind of go along with it willingly. Yeah, I think that's really the thing is in that first seconds, like if you cared about Gavin, you would think somebody like Chandrika would call an ambulance, go to the police immediately. But she went home where that's the most obvious place that John's going to look for her, right? So it doesn't seem like she was doing anything out of concern or care for Gavin. It was simply, I'm going to go home and deal with the problem that they're now facing. So John also took the stand to try to defend himself. Here he is. Have a listen. It was a quick sequence. Like he pulled, stuck up right there, and he's just pinning my head against it. He's got a long reach, and he just pinned my head up against the ceiling. And at that point is when I pressed off. I was just like, you know, I just went into, you know, fight or flight mode. And at that point, when he, especially when he bit down my thumb, I really tripped out. But the prosecution countered with a witness who saw John after the murder. The witness said that John's hand was swollen, roughly twice the size of its normal hand size. And he had no other injuries on his face, which would imply he had been the one doing all of the hitting. Other witnesses also spoke about how Gavin was a peaceful man who wouldn't hurt anyone. Having covered a fair amount of true crime over your career, what do you make of someone just throwing out the self-defense defense? Well, there's probably some truth to self-defense in in a lot of cases, but it seems as if John was sort of hunting Gavin, hunting his family. He obviously followed 
Chandrika to her meetup with Gavin. And it doesn't appear that he suffered any bodily harm uh, in the altercation with Gavin. So it's hard to say that that's self-defense, as I think most people would recognize and understand self-defense. It sounded like he was essentially stalking him. He had made threats against him, and then he essentially beat him to death. Let's stop here for another break. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. 
all these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As both the prosecution and defense rested, the jury was faced with the choice of first-degree murder, second-degree murder, or voluntary manslaughter. After less than one hour of deliberating, nine women and three men acquitted John on the first two charges. John was convicted of voluntary manslaughter. For Gavin's family, it was a devastating blow. Voluntary manslaughter meant that the jury believed that the murder was not premeditated but rather a crime of passion. It only carried a maximum sentence of 11 years. At the sentencing hearing, Lisa made an impassioned speech. This man trapped his wife with a phone app, ambushed my husband, beat him to death in a car, left him in that car for days at someone else's stand by the body man, McQuay's house, drags him into a van, Takes him out to a desert, complains on the stand about his poor biceps and having to drag my husband 25 yards after beating him to death. And then he couldn't get him down in there because he hadn't dug it deep enough. Because my body, that my husband's body was in bad condition on day six. He killed him. It would have been the worst thing in the world. But no, he had to take him and hide him. He wanted us to never ever find him. And I hope that he gets life for the drug conviction felony federal filing that was just filed. And I hope he spends the rest of his life in prison. He shouldn't be amongst us. He needs to be in walls like an animal that he is. The judge handed John the maximum 11-year sentence. He will be eligible for parole in January 2025. Connor, thanks for coming on the podcast. Tell us again about your podcast, Lords of Soccer, and where we can find it. Yeah, if you like true crime stories, this is the mother of all true crime and corruption stories. It's a global corruption scandal that started decades ago with essentially a few people who ran global soccer. And again, it's called the Lords of Soccer, how FIFA stole the beautiful game, and it's available everywhere you listen to podcasts. Connor, you are also hosting... KT Studios' upcoming podcast, Death Island. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, and this is another just sort of uh, incredible story. It's all about an island in Thailand called Koh Tao, which on the surface seems like a beautiful diving paradise, crystal clear waters, you know, perfect beaches. But over the course of the last 20 years, there have been just 
a string of deadly, grisly deaths. Some of them are very clearly murder. Some of them could be accidents. Some of them, we don't know. And the problem and the reason we don't know and the reason we're looking into Kotao and the people who run this island is it's run by mafia-like figures, a small group of people who basically want to keep the party going and the money flowing. And so anytime somebody dies there, whether it's clearly a murder or an accident, it just all gets brushed aside and blamed on somebody who isn't going to prevent the good times, the money from flowing onto this island. And it's basically a mafia-run island that uh, has this horrible string of deaths. And it's a really fascinating story, and it's coming out this fall. Shameless plug. If you're enjoying Crazy in Love, leave us a review. And listen to season three of our hit series, The Piketon Massacre. Episodes air every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at KT underscore studios. Crazy in Love is produced by Stephanie Lidecker, Jeff Shane, Chris Graves, and me, Courtney Armstrong. Editing and sound design by Jeff Twa. Crazy in Love is a production of iHeartRadio and KT Studios. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Stay safe, lovers. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold Blooded, The Apollo Gym Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today.